Somewhere between Lincoln, Nebraska and Secaucus, New Jersey lies a very spooky town. A town so spooky that it's scary. The people are weird. Their stories are dumb. Welcome to Scary Town. To start this episode, we're going back for another stand-up set from Scary Town's king of comedy, Doghouse. But don't worry, we won't get too close. Wouldn't want to get roasted by the guy on stage. Everybody knows that if you sit in the front row at a comedy show, you're just asking to get roasted, and we don't want that. Though, sometimes I kind of wonder what a comedian would make fun of me for. I think I'm a pretty regular guy. I mean, I guess I am wearing this big M&M's jacket. I bet a comic could have a field day with that. Yeah, he'd start calling me the Candyman or something. <laughs> he'd say a joke and then be like, Willy Wonka over here knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh yeah, that would kill. And then I could start giving it back to him. I'd be all like, uh, that last punchline wasn't so sweet. <laughs> you know, because I'm the Candyman. You know, now that I think about it, I'm probably doing this guy a favor if I sat up close. Do they let you put a chair up on stage? Uh, I'm gonna ask. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage. One of the original Scary Town Kings of Comedy, Donghouse. I don't give a shit if it's What's up, Scary Town? Can you believe it? We sold out. Scary Town Garden! Every comic dreams of playing the Scary Town Garden. There's no better place to tell jokes than a big, echoey arena built primarily for hockey and basketball. Now I know all 37,000 of you are wonderful and lovely people. But there are some people out there in the world who are acting crazy. Like the other day, I walked into a Starbucks, right? And I see this little hipster typing away on his laptop. You know the kind. Glasses, little scarf. I look over his shoulder and I see he's working on a screenplay. <laughs> and he says to me, Hey, Doghouse, I'm a big fan of your comedy. Can you take a look at my screenplay? <laughs> and you know what I said to him? I said... I said... You know what? I'm not gonna tell that joke. No, that kid is really following his passion and I can't rag on him for that. 15 years ago, I was in the same spot. Heck, the only way this industry works is asking people for help. <laughs> When's the last time I wrote a screenplay? And I'll tell you when. Never. I had all these ideas. Couldn't put them on paper. I guess, I guess I was too scared. The second that it became real was the second it could be rejected. Dang, there it is. Yep, I'm not upset at him for trying. I'm upset with myself because I never did. <laughs> Nothing funny about that, is there? Just sad, really. 
Also, this conversation never really happened. I made it up so I could say my catchphrase. How's that for Insaka? Oh, I see. You don't want introspection, do you? You want me to start ragging on these dummies? Well, you should have seen the lady working the register, cause she was really acting crazy! Get this, I go up to order and the barista is all like, just so you know, we're all out of caramel. <laughs> and I was like, well, you better call the candy man cause I want my macchiato. <laughs> wait, wait, stop, stop. Don't laugh at that. I was totally in the wrong. <laughs> you ever work in the service industry? You take the brunt of a lot of anger. And most of the time, the way people treat you is totally unrelated to the quality of service you're providing them. Oh, boo yourself. You want me to stand up here and dunk on a gal, make a minimum wage, when I'm selling out the scary town garden? Now that's not a good look. Don't get mad at me. Be mad at the labor system that makes us feel entitled to treat service workers like objects. We're enslaved in a capitalist society, people. I understand why you're booing, but I'm not making excuses for myself. I am part of the problem. I stand up here and crack jokes about people acting crazy. But my beautiful wife, Sharice, recently reminded me that these people exist outside of the moments I interact with them. They may not be perfect, but heck, neither am I. What's really ironic is that I should know what it feels like to be judged by a bunch of strangers. <laughs> That's every day for a stand-up. You can hear a million nice things, but that one negative comment is the one that'll keep you up at night. I try to act like a big baller, but this whole stage personality is born out of a craving for affection. Uh-oh, there I go again. Treating you all like you're my therapist, Dr. Zellner. <laughs> Which uh, reminds me, I gotta make sure she'll take my new insurance. Yeah, the healthcare system does suck. <laughs> also, the barista thing never happened. I'm very desperate for material. Doghouse, you suck. Do you really think that? Well, you know who really stinks? It's all the homeless people they got in these Starbucks. Now those people are really acting crazy. Yeah, those people are nasty, huh? Old clothes. Sleeping on the street. Nothing to eat. Some of them have dogs too. Everybody take out your wallets and pass some money to the front. You're right, we can't just throw money at the problem. Homelessness is a social problem. It's our responsibility as a society to fix it. Let's go, people. We're gonna go out and get these five people a hot meal. Hey, we came for a comedy show. Quiet, you. My stage manager is trying to tell me something. A car? Parked in a handicap spot? What's it look like? And it's got the bumper bully on the back? Yeah, that's me. Sorry, folks. It seems I popped in a handicapped spot. Just when you think you're making progress, you find another blind spot. 
I'm gonna move my car real fast. I'm sorry about that last joke. It was insensitive. I don't give a shit if it's not plastic or city paper. And my name's not on Wambo's next key I build. Shitty rapist man. How long does it take to move a car? Maybe he parked far away. But he's the star of the show. Maybe he wanted to walk. That's insane. Just walk around the building. It's not the same. It's the same. Let's stop fighting. You're right. Where did he park? Mars? Worse. Red Hook. That's, That's so New York. York. Hey man, guess what? I don't give a shit if it's not plastered in city paper And my name's not on Wambo's next key I feel Scary Town has a thriving and vibrant dining scene. Unfortunately, as more and more hip and happening restaurants open their doors, some of Scary Town's older establishments are finding themselves with fewer and fewer diners. In just the past year, over a dozen restaurants have closed in Scary Town, including Larry's Clam and Pork, The Flying Vino Machine, Snide's Heated Cow Parts, and The Racist Hot Dog Shop. These old-school joints need to evolve if they want to keep up with Scary Town's newest offerings, like this next place we reviewed for this week's episode. And now, a review of Sulf, Scary Town's hottest new restaurant. When you think of where to find the best Italian food in Scary Town, the last place you'd expect to find it is the old sulfur mine. But that's the first place you should look, because that's where it is. Sulf, the latest offering from chef Murph Murphy, is a restaurant of paradoxes. Its menu contains innovative updates on Italian staples and the restaurant is embedded in the world's only active sulfur mine. Yet Chef Murphy manages to combine these quirky elements to create a delicious and highly odorous experience. When you walk into Sulf, you're immediately struck by the reeking stench of sulfur. Steady your senses for a moment and you'll start to notice some of the subtler details like custom-made oak tables and an open kitchen with a view of the blazing wood-burning oven and Indonesian miners filling cart after cart with precious sulfur using only their bare hands. Is your mouth starting to water? It's probably the smell of Sulf's fresh-baked focaccia. Are your eyes burning and your airways closing? It's probably the sulfur. A friendly host showed me to a table in the middle of a hermetically sealed plastic tent. The tent was a bit of a snug fit, so if you can stand to breathe large amounts of sulfur smoke, ask to be seated at the spacious communal table. Immediately, a small dish of house-cured olives were shoved through a thin slot in my tent. The olives' bright and briny flesh melted onto my tongue, or perhaps it was my tongue that was melting onto the olives, you know, because of the sulfur. Either way, it was heaven. In an effort to use only seasonal ingredients and limit diner's sulfur exposure, Sulf works off of a pre-fix tasting menu. Between coughing fits, my server screamed descriptions of each dish at me through my thick, protective tent. 
I found him and the woman who replaced him when his jaundiced skin began to fall away from his skull both knowledgeable and attentive. My first course was the prosciutto and melon. The taste of the salty, unctuous ham was heightened by the clean, sweet cantaloupe and by the fact that my vision had temporarily blacked out. Next through my food slot was a puttanesca. Zingy capers broke up the garlicky tomato sauce along with the sensation that I was being waterboarded with gasoline. When the risotto arrives, I gobble it up. Each teeth-shattering bite tastes like the most delicious car battery I've ever tasted. My mouth fills with blood and I awake from my sulfur-induced delirium to realize that I'm just gnawing a hunk of sulfur that I dug up from beneath the chair. My breathing slows, my pupils dilate, my heart rate drops to a fugue's pace. I crave sulfur. But my craving knows no bounds. My third waiter of the evening arrives with my branzino. When he reaches through my food slot, I knock the fish to the ground, sink my jagged teeth into his forearm, and feast on his sulfur-rich blood. As the guards swarm my tent, I feel a sulfuric strength pulse through my body. It is vile and pure. I am not afraid. I am sulfur. With a primal shriek, I tear through my tent and breathe in the fumes of my elixir. My muscles tremble and seethe under my peeling skin. Using the shards of a hand-shaped serving dish, I slit each guard's throat, then arrange their bodies into an embarrassing tableau. As I flee the scene, scrambling on misshapen arms and legs like a wild wolverine, I'm already looking forward to what Chef Murph Murphy has in store for me the next time I visit Salt. And I'm looking forward to taking my revenge on all those who forced me from my sulfuric teeth before I could properly feed. I will, I be, will back. be back. Oh, I will be, I back. will be back. Before we bring you this week's Scary Town Town Council meeting, Scary Town's government regulations insist that any broadcast of the meeting must also contain the town announcements. <clears throat> Garbage collection will be suspended this week as the sanitation workers contemplate a pivot to video. Main Street will be closed on Friday while the police go through their annual shooting a bear that gets lost and wanders into town drill. And the purge is not in effect, no matter what that Skyrider says. And now, the town council meeting. That settles it. We'll fill in the creek bed and won't speak of what happened there ever again. We will now open the floor to public comment. Hello, my name is Jesh. I live at 101 Sunderby Way. I want to talk about the snakes. Yes. Due to overwhelming citizen demand at last month's meeting, we have now fully restored the snake population. I didn't ask for no snakes. You did, actually. You stood right at that podium and said that this town would be swimming in snakes if it's the last thing you did. Huh, maybe. Swimming in snakes, that does sound like me. But I don't want those filthy street drugs coming into our town. <laughs> 
We're doing everything we can to combat the opioid epidemic that's ravaging communities like ours all across the country. But what does that have to do with the snakes? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because a snake sold me pills? Why would you buy anything from a snake? It made me buy them. It trapped me on a street corner. Really? There was no way out? Not the way I wanted to go. So the snake had pills on it? No, I had the pills. Then it sold the pills back to me. How did you know that the snake wanted to steal your pills, Jesh? I asked if it wanted my pills, and then it kind of wriggled and hissed. Jesh, I think that's just what snakes do. Easy for you to say. I fear for my life. And how did you know that it wanted you to buy them back? I asked, and then it kind of wriggled and hissed. Ugh, how much money did the snake ask for, Jesh? It didn't. How much money did you give it? A thousand bucks. Why did you give it that much, Jesh? I didn't want any trouble. So you saw a snake on the street, you gave it your pills, then gave it a thousand dollars, and then took your pills back? Easy for you to say. I fear for my life. Next. Hello, my name is Coral Bates. I'm the owner of Bates Bakes, the only cake shop where we let you jack off in the store. But I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about the snake that got me hooked on prescription painkillers. Why were you getting prescriptions from a snake? He said he was a doctor. A snake can't be a doctor, Coral. Then why was he wearing a lab coat? Did you see this snake doctor in a hospital? Nah, he was in a dumpster around the back. And you didn't think it was strange to be seeing a doctor in a dumpster? Not these days. Thanks a lot, Obamacare. <sighs> why were you at the hospital in the first place, Coral? My blood felt thick. So why do you think you needed painkillers? Because the doctor bit me a whole bunch. It was great, but it hurt like hell. It was great? Got all the thick blood out. How did the snake give you a prescription? He didn't. He ain't got no arms, idiot. So how did you get the drugs? I held up a drugstore. Doesn't that seem a little extreme to you? What was I supposed to do? I was under doctor's orders. And why did you think that a snake doctor that you found in a dumpster was prescribing you painkillers? Well, I asked. And then it started wiggling and hissing and- Okay, let's do one more of these. Hey everyone, my name's Black. I sleep at the ice rink in the summer, and if anyone wants to come and masturbate there, they're more than welcome. But I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about the gang of drug snakes that forced me to be their mule. You know, with my ass. Okay, I take it back. Meeting adjourned. This town is too damn wacky. <laughs> Shaking my damn head. Shaking my damn head. I like the sound of that. Maybe that's the new thing I can use as a replacement for a personality. Later days, Eminem's jacket. Well, that'll do it for this episode. We'll see you next time with more Stories from Scary Town. Campfire.